You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Somewhere en route to Los Angeles, I think going through Phoenix. He'll join us coming up here in a moment. It's a meet Friday. The Traegers have been fired up all morning long. In fact, Tyler, the moderator, is out there putting the burgers on the Traeger as we speak. Barbecue Minnesota Juicy Lucy's grilled peanut butter burgers and grilled brisket burgers. Once again, who has it better than we do? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> Woo! Super week on the program brought to you by the great folks at Link Soul Apparel, a lifestyle brand for any occasion. Phone calls coming up. Jaguars get their new head coach. He's the former Super Bowl winning coach, Doug Peterson. So right now you have the Dolphins, Saints, Texans. I guess you include the Vikings, technically still open. But the Dolphins, Dolphins got a couple of interviews coming up. According to Adam Schefter, Mike McDaniel, he's the Niners offensive coordinator in South Florida, having his interview in about an hour and a half from now with the Dolphins. And the Cowboys offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, scheduled for his head coaching interview with the Dolphins coming up Saturday. Nothing really new with the Brian Flores claims, although John Elway did fire back. Uh, the Giants also denied Brian Flores' claims. So we'll see where this goes once we get to Los Angeles. Then the commissioner has his State of the Union address, I believe, a week from today. And he'll be peppered with some questions. Tony Dungy will join us on that topic coming up in about 15 minutes from now. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at show. Say good morning to Peacock, our great streaming partners. And uh, all the great radio affiliates around the country that carry this program. Thank you for your support. Todd, the poll question for the final hour. If you had a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl, who would you take? Ooh. 40% would sell the ticket. 33% would uh, give it to their wife or girlfriend or husband or boyfriend. 14% brother, sister, or other relative. 13% best friend. Less than half of a percent would give it to their favorite coworker or business partner. Paulie has a poll question suggestion. It's very niche. It's we were talking about block punts niche. in the Super Bowl last yeah. hour. Yeah. In the Super Bowl, let's say you're a uh, role player, you're a, a special teamer, a nobody. Would you rather block a punt that is returned for a touchdown to help your team win a Super Bowl, or be the guy who scoops up the blocked punt by your team and runs it in? I'd rather scoop it up and run it in because it doesn't hurt to run it in. And you get more, probably more camera time. It hurts when you block a punt. Yes, yes, Tom. And all your teammates run to celebrate with the guy that scored the touchdown, and then <laughs> eventually they get to the punch. Oh, you were the one that tipped it. Cool. But you would forever be known as that guy, Jimmy Lipper, blocked the punt that helped us beat the whatever. Yeah, but I had a hard time remembering the guys who blocked punts in Super Bowl history. I, I, I remembered Reggie Harrison. You threw that out there in two seconds. I know, but I didn't get the other one. Who was that, Doug Jensen? Yes. With the Raiders against the uh, Washington Redskins? I think, I think the Redskins, did they win that one or was that the other no, one? No, I think that was, was that Jack Squirek? Oh, with the pick at the end of the half? Yes. On, on Theismann? Theismann. And is, did Marcus Allen have the run in that one? Yes. The cutback run? I think so. I still remember. I think it was NFL Films using that eighteen twelve overture. And I just remember John Facenda. I could be making this up, but I just remember him. In that great voice, the silver and black clad masters of intimidation nearly took Joe Theismann's head off. <laughs> Love that. Jim Harbaugh, according to the Detroit Free Press, 
is done. Done with the uh, NFL. It was a one-time thing, and he's going to stay at Michigan, and he doesn't want to consider an NFL job again. He told this to uh, Mitch Album. Yes, Tom? I thought Peter King made an excellent point. He used the word, I'm not chasing any more jobs, which <laughs> yeah. leaves room for someone coming to him and begging him for the right price yeah, to hey, join them. You know, I, they, I couldn't stop them. They were chasing me. I had to take the job. Uh, This season didn't end the way the Packers had hoped as they lost to the Niners. Aaron Rodgers is yet to commit to the term uh, team long term. But, you know, there's a lot of speculation. Denver, San Francisco. How about the Tennessee Titans? It was reported yesterday that Aaron Rodgers purchased land in Nashville. And uh, well, there's a, a slight problem there because Ryan Tannehill is guaranteed to make nearly $30 million next season. So to land Aaron Rodgers, the Titans would have to offload Ryan Tannehill's contract. It's doable, but I don't know if just because he bought land there that maybe he wants to play football there. But for now, I maybe slow play where Rodgers could end up because I, I don't know. My thought all along, he was coming back this past season, but he was going to be one and done. He was going to play elsewhere. And... Also, that he was going to uh, go to the Denver Broncos. I mean, that's the feeling I have. And I've had that and haven't wavered off of that. Uh, let's see. Arnaldo in Maryland joins us as he, we wait for Seton O'Connor to call in. Arnaldo, how are you? How you doing, Dan? Great. 10, 170. All right. Dan, listen, I only got to ask you one question. You're doing a great show. I love the show. Could you please fix the hula girl inside of Kevin's head? That's all. I, that's all I need. I got a birthday coming up. It would make my whole. It would make my whole year better. Do you have OCD? A little bit. Okay. I have a um, a hula girl. Oh. And uh, it it's uh, she's an, a Los Angeles Angel hula girl, and on my desk. Then I have Kevin from the office, his coffee mug, and she looked like she had. Uh, had some drinks or something, she was falling over. So I, I fixed it. I fixed uh, the hula girl on my desk. So he called in just to tell me to fix it. Well, Dan, this is uh, in the chat room in the uh, Dan Petro locker room on Facebook. A lot of OCD fans of the show are bothered by how the hula girl's skirt is not all the way inside Kevin's head and it's sticking out. It's askew and it's not, uh, it's bothersome. Oh, come on. We had about 20 people complain about this yesterday. Okay, hopefully that's good. I just I just fixed it. <laughs> I mean, I'm OCD as well. I'm sure you're not going to think about this for the next. Well, now I will. I wasn't. I didn't. I didn't notice it. Now I am, and now I'm going to be bothered by this. Thanks, Arnaldo. Uh, Aaron in Wisconsin. Hi, Aaron. Hey, Dan. Happy Meat Friday. I uh, wanted to ask you guys a quick question. I noticed on Peacock that Fritzy is rocking a Peyton Manning jersey in the back row there. Yeah. Uh, now, the show that follows yours, Rich Eisen, now he says it's unacceptable for grown men to wear the jersey of professional athletes. What are your thoughts? Well, who said Todd's a grown man? That's a fair point. Yeah. Um, I'm not big on it, but, but, you know, this is what Fritzy does. He collects. He doesn't buy any clothes. Whatever he gets for free, he wears. He wants to wear it, and this is a tribute to Tony Dungy because, you know, Tony won the Super Bowl uh, with the Colts against the Bears, and Fritzy's got his Peyton Manning jersey on. So I'm okay with it. Not something I do, but I'm okay if Fritzy wants to. 
Yeah, Paul. Here's the thing, though. I've heard from Fritzy. He's confirmed this. Like, if he got home from work today and the wife said, "Hey, let's go get a quick bite to eat," he'd be like, "Cool, I'm I'm ready to go now." He would have sweatpants or jeans on and a Peyton Manning jersey on and want to go out to dinner. Can't do that when you go out to the wife. I mean, I I came back from the Winter Olympics in 2010, Vancouver, and I got all the guys, you know, sweatshirts, beautiful ones that say Canada on it. I don't know if any of the other guys still have the sweatshirts. Fritzy had his on yesterday. You don't throw anything away. Well, it's also if it's something that's special and important to me, you're downplaying a little bit that it's something that came from you. I know I save lots and lots of things, but I don't have like everything I've ever owned. I think, you know, you mm. thought of us and brought back a, a nice mm. souvenir and I liked it. And I'm like, I'm not going to throw it out. I'm going to hang it up. Yeah. I'm glad I still have it. Do you have more information on block punts in the Super Bowl? We do. Okay. How many have there been in okay. the Super Bowl? Okay. In the Super Bowl, we have Tim Johnson of the Raiders blocked a punt in the Raiders. Is my mic not working? There you go. Okay, so we got Tim Johnson, which I think you guys mentioned. And that was um, the uh, 2002 season. Raiders blocked a punt in the Raiders, 48-21, lost to the Bucks. Uh, you guys mentioned Super Bowl 10 and Super Bowl 18. They were blocked punts. A total of six blocked punts in the Super Bowl. And basically what I have here. No, my- it's okay. I'm good. <laughs> my bad. You asked me a question. I know, about I know, punts. I know, I know, I know. I know. But I don't want to do this and then know less. So, but thank you. I, I didn't know there were that many block punts in Super Bowl history. There were a number of them. Thank you, Todd. Sounds like there were six. Is Seton with us? Is Seton O'Connor he with is. us on the road? Seton, where are you right now? Uh, somewhere uh, outside of... <laughs> that's not good. No, that's not good where you're somewhere. <laughs> Well, that's kind of what uh, it feels like a lot of New Mexico is kind of somewhere. <laughs> oh, you're not even in Arizona yet. <laughs> no, no, not even close. Oh, okay, recap what happened yesterday and last night with you and the French kid. So yesterday uh, we we left Houston at about 8 o'clock in the morning, and we were hoping to drive – there was a little band of the storm that we were going to drive right through that we were like, all right, we'll see how bad this is. Hopefully it's not too bad on the other side. And so we made it through the storm pretty well. I mean, the weather got crappy, you know, and it was, it was really windy. There was kind of like freezing rain, a little bit of snow, stuff like that. And then uh, we got through like the worst part of the storm, but then it was the area that we were driving into was really, really icy. And it turns out now that I remember this from our Dallas Super Bowl days, Texas doesn't handle ice very well. <laughs> mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, we got, we got stuck in this one bit of traffic. It was just a dead stop for, uh, I don't know, 45 minutes or something like that. And we found a way to take a U-turn. That road was obviously closed because of the ice. So we found a way to make a U-turn and then just sort of like bit and pieced our way through the state. Um, and so we drove for, I think it was about 15 or 16 hours, which Houston to Phoenix should be about 16 hours. And instead we did Houston to El Paso in 16 hours. Were you almost in um, Mexico? Oh yeah. We were, we were close enough that we were playing the game. Like, do you think those lights are Mexico right there? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But Paulie said that you were in a place called Fort Hancock. Or you went by we it? We drove through there. And yeah. that was the Shawshank Redemption? I mean, that's that's where Andy Dufresne was at, uh, and then Morgan Freeman joined him? 
Yeah, I mean, it's possible by the end of this, me and the French kids could be uh, sanding a boat on the beach somewhere. <laughs> you're gonna quit. The, you're gonna quit the show, and you and the French kid are gonna run off. <laughs> okay, that's it. We're running off with the van. We're gonna go get a boat, and we're gonna build it together. Damn it. <laughs> okay, what is today's goal? Today's goal. Uh, we're absolutely getting to Phoenix today. There's okay. no doubt about that. Okay. So, um, well, knock on wood. Um, no, we're, we're today, we're going to end up in Phoenix today and then we're going to see, uh, what tomorrow holds, uh, when we get there. Okay. If you can't make it to Vegas, then you can just go to Los Angeles, whatever, whatever you're comfortable doing. I'd like for you to do a drive by in Vegas, but if you can't, then, uh, just go to Los Angeles. Well, I just want to make sure that you guys are going to make it through the week actually. Cause just, it sounds like. You guys are getting on each other's nerves more than me and Brendan are. <laughs> well, okay, you got Friday Fritzy, Friday pre-Super Bowl Fritzy. Oh, good grief! Yeah, uh, we got we got Friday burgers. You know, some I, it sounds a little more enticing being in a in a van for fifteen hours with a French kid. That's than, hurtful. <laughs> Well, there has been there have been a couple of times yesterday that we were getting through some pretty dicey spots where we were like, "Wow, this is like we." I can tell you this: this week so far has been the best advertisement for this vehicle that you could possibly imagine because it has handled some unbelievable uh, weather and terrain. But there have been a few times that we've been in some situations where we're like, "Man, could you imagine if Todd was driving right now?" <laughs> that would not be pleasant. No. No, even yeah. even in nice weather, it's not All good right. when Todd is driving. We made our point. All right. All right. Stay in touch. All right. Yeah, I'll check in with you guys a little bit later on. All right. All right. That's Seton O'Connor and the French kid on the road somewhere. When somebody goes, where are you? And you go somewhere. That's not a good start. But in somewhere in New Mexico right now. Yeah, Paul. We were joking a week ago with the weather. Like, you know, if you went down south and he goes, yeah, I'll just go down to the Mexico border and we'll avoid everything. That was yeah. like a total joke. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let me take a break. Uh, get some phone calls here. Tony Dungy is going to join us coming up as well. We're back after this in the Dan Patrick Show. DraftKings Sportsbook, official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5, get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, you can play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. Now, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use the code PATRICK, get 56 to 1 odds on either team. So $5 can get you 280 in free bets if your team wins. And make sure you use the promo code PATRICK at DraftKings Sportsbook. Have to be 21 or older. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for a full list of requirements. Voidware prohibited. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Connecticut. You can visit ccpgg.org slash chat in New York. Call 1-877-HOPE-NEW-YORK. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Super Week on the Dan Patrick Show brought to you by M-Drive. Don't let age beat you. Get M-Drive. 
NFL Network reporting that Eric Bieniemy will get an interview with the New Orleans Saints. Not sure if Byron Leftwich gets an opportunity there. I don't know if Brian Flores is still in the mix, but you know, there's a lot of a lot of moving parts going on. Is Brian Flores in the mix with the Texans? Certainly sounds like that. I was surprised that Josh McCown is getting that much interest from the Texans because he has no head coaching experience whatsoever. He knows a lot of people, and he was with a lot of teams. Doug Peterson got the job with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I don't know if uh, Byron Leftwich took his name out when he knew he wasn't going to get the job. I know that he wanted to have a different GM in place, which is certainly understandable. Dolphins, Saints, Texans are coachless right now. The Vikings, I guess, are going to hire Kevin O'Connell, the uh, Rams offensive coordinator. Tony Dungy, kind enough to join us, Hall of Fame coach, and uh, won some Super Bowls as a player with the Steelers, as a head coach with the Colts. And the Rooney Rule was created uh, back in 2002. That was a reaction to when Tony got fired with the Buccaneers. Dennis Green of the Minnesota Vikings also got fired as well. And Tony joins us. We'll get to that topic in a moment here, Tony. I'm curious how much of an advantage it'll be for Sean McVay having already coached in a Super Bowl. Well, it's it's interesting. Uh, and Sean said after their Super Bowl loss to New England, he did some things wrong. He overthought things in those two weeks. He, If he went back, he would do things a little differently. And I know he's learned from that. Uh, I was in Cincinnati on Wednesday interviewing Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor was on that staff. He was at that game. He, he did it too. So he wasn't the head coach. But he was there, and he was watching everything Sean did. He saw the, the schedule. He uh, had the benefit of being there also. So I think it's going to be minimal advantage. You have two guys that kind of went through it at the same time in 2019. And also coaches have talked about you if you go in with a game plan, you have to be ready to adjust your game plan because you, it, your game plan really is dictated by what happens in the game itself. Yeah. Like, you can't just say, this is what we're doing, we're going to continue to do that, right? You fall into that trap. No, you can't. But I will tell you this, and Sean's right, that two weeks can get to you. You're used to planning and taking a week and go, and now you've got an extra week and you start to second-guess yourself. (laughs) I know I've told you the story. We went a whole week saying we're not going to let Devin Hester touch the ball. And then the second week, I started thinking about it here at chapel service. The guy talks about David and Goliath, and he said, you can't be scared of the giant. And at the last minute, I changed my mind and said, you know what, guys, Saturday night before the game, I hope we lose the toss. We're going to kick off the Devin Hester. When we pound him, we're going to send a message. They're going to know we mean business. If we'd only had a week, Devin Hester would have never touched the ball. <laughs> Wait, are you blaming the, the preacher? Who's- the chaplain. I am. I blame him. And he takes total responsibility for it. And then you know what he told me afterwards, Dan? He said, no, no, you got the wrong message from that. It wasn't that David wasn't afraid. You got to know the weak spot. He hit Goliath right between the eyes. You got to go for the weak spot. That's why I wish you'd have told me that Saturday night. Yeah. I think this is the anniversary. I think 15 years I, ago. I think it is. Yeah, 15 years ago tonight. What did you yeah. feel like after winning a Super Bowl? You know, I, I won one as a player, and, and it was a real thrill, and it was great to be part of it. But when you're uh, the head coach, and you win the game and you get up on that podium and you're looking down and you see not only your players, but your staff down there and their families. And then you look up in the stands and you see your fans and they're holding up signs. And then you go back to the parade in your city 
and you realize that this is bigger than just a team accomplishment. You felt, I felt like, man, you know, the city of Indianapolis, the state of Indiana, the Ursays, everybody, our whole organization, you just feel really, really proud. And then, of course, my year, it was even a little bit more special. Lovey Smith and I and African-American coaches for 40 years, uh, first time anybody had been in that game. Uh, and then you get notes. I got a telegram. I mentioned to you in the past, got a telegram from Bill Russell saying, congratulations, welcome to the club. And uh, wow. you, you can't put you can't put words to that. But how much pressure are you carrying in in a situation? Even though it was Lovey Smith, so two African American coaches, but did was there extra pressure of being African American head coach in a Super Bowl? I think there would have been had Lovey not been on the okay. other side. There would have been, you know, we we knew at that point, hey, history is going to be made. Somebody's going to win it, and you know, we're going to be able to say, you know, these African American coaches can coach on the same level. But had I been in there by myself, I think I would have felt a little bit more, hey, we've got to win this just to show people we can do this. I was wondering about coaches who don't call plays. Are you aware of what the plays are? Are you listening? Oh, to- absolutely. Okay. And you have the final say on everything. You know, Tom Moore would call our offensive plays, and I'm sitting there, and I'm saying, no, Tom, I want to run, or I want to get the ball to Marvin Harrison in this situation. Ron Meeks was calling my defensive calls. Hey, no, I, I want to blitz. I want to put pressure on him. 90% of the time, you're on the same page. And you've been in the meetings and you know what the game plan is for these situations. But there are times when, you know, you you just impose your will. Hey, I want to do this. We're ahead by eight points. Tom, we're going to run the ball three times and kick a field goal. I know you don't want to do that, but that's what we're going to do. But you've got to do this in a, in a small window, though, Tony, because you're, you know, so you're going to have a play getting ready to be called into Peyton. And then you're there listening, and then you could say, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to run that. So Peyton's waiting for the call to come yeah. in. Yeah. No, and good coach, you're thinking ahead. Uh, it's not in the moment. You wait until the moment. I'm talking to Tom before the play runs. Hey, if we oh, do okay. this, we won't want to think about that. Yeah, you, you're involved. And Did uh, Peyton again, overrule not, you? How, how often would Peyton go, no? Well, well, he always had the final say. And because we're going to send Tom would send in three plays, hey, run left, run right, or throw. And, you know, he had that choice. Of course, he sees something different. He's going to audible to it. That was the beauty of our system. We got the plays in so fast with the no huddle that he's got 20, 25 seconds at the line to run what he wants. But we, we all know, we, we kind of know the game plan. Talking to Tony Dungy, the Hall of Fame uh, coach. When you're defensive coach, defensive-minded, former defensive back, what would you do to uh, Joe Burrow or try to get him to do or not do? I think all of these guys, uh, they're so talented right now. The weaponry is so good. You have to make them make a lot of throws. You, you can't, uh, kind of like people were playing Kansas City, you can't give up the two-play touchdown drive, the 80-yard touchdown pass. So you've got to make them make a lot of throws. And then you've got to get pressure. To me, that is going to be the whole key with this game. The the offensive line of the Bengals, they played well against Kansas City. They struggled against Tennessee. This is the best defensive line they're going to see. How, how are they going to handle Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, Vaughn Miller, and create protection? If they give Burrow time, they're, they're going to pick this secondary apart. As good as those players are, as good as Jalen Ramsey, they can't cover those guys if 
Burrow has time. I still go back to what Cincinnati did to Kansas City in the second half. And for the life of me, I can't understand why you don't run the ball. Like if, they, if they're going to play seven defensive backs and have a spy on Mahomes, why don't I just take some clock away, run the football? Well, Kansas City doesn't like to run, <laughs> and, and everybody knows that. And unfortunately, sometimes you have to. The other thing that I thought Kansas City didn't do, if you think back to that first half, very few long passes, get the ball out quick, guys are open, hit them, take the seven-yard game. In the second half, Patrick wasn't doing that. And I don't think it was because the guys were covered. It's because, okay, I'm a little bored with that six-yard gain and that seven-yard gain. Let me see if I can get one. Now that and the game tightened up a little bit, and I need a big play. And uh, he passed up a lot of open guys in the second half. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think ego got in the way. I, I, I really do. It's funny you mention it, though, because when we had the Chiefs on earlier and Rodney, as you know, Rodney Harrison now is at the stadium, so he's doing a lot of the interviews and stuff. And I said, ask Andy Reid this for me. This is one question I'd like to ask if I was there. You've got Mahomes, you've got all these receivers, and you love to throw. Is it hard for you to call a running play because you want to see Patrick <laughs> Mahomes with the ball in his hand? Yeah. Because you have chances to run, and Andy's always been a pass-first guy. Uh, all the way back to Philadelphia. But I think it's getting harder and harder for those guys to call runs. Your initial reaction to the Brian Flores lawsuit was what? You know, um, I have not read the lawsuit yet. It's 58 pages. I want to read the whole thing. My initial reaction was frustration. And Brian Flores is, was, is saying, I believe, he is saying what a lot of people are talking about casually in conversation. He just brought it. He's frustrated with the, the system right now. And I'm going to have a lot more to say on this next week. But uh, I think right now the NFL has a problem because you've got African-American employees, especially coaches, who are frustrated with, with the system right now. If Brian Flores had called you before filing that lawsuit, what would you have told him? Um, probably... Um, Make sure you know what you're doing and this is what you want to do and this is how you want to bring it to light. It's interesting. John, you mentioned 2002. Uh, Johnny Cochran and Cyrus Mary had a meeting with the NFL and they said, hey, we've got some issues here. We've got African-American coaches being fired with winning records, being fired in the playoffs. We've got limited access to African-American coaches getting into the system. Uh, these guys are upset. This was 20 years ago. And he said, we need to sit down at the table and you need to listen to them because the next step is going to be litigation. And I remember Johnny Cochran saying this very, very loudly. NFL, you do not want litigation. And uh, the Fritz Pollard Alliance came into effect. We had some things going. The Rooney Rule gets put in place. Diversity committees, those type of things. So uh, I think Johnny Cochran kind of predicted that this might might happen one day. Chris Carter was on uh, Good Morning Football on NFL Network today, and he said he was asked about what do we do? How do we make this better? And I'm paraphrasing, but it was let's groom these coaches, these assistant coaches, these minority coaches on how what to expect in the interviews, prepare them better. And I don't know if, if you can just sort of wave a wand like that and go, we're going to prepare Eric Bieniemy to be a head coach. I, I don't know if you can do that, yeah. but I did, you know, I was interested with what Chris Carter had to say. 
I, I can appreciate that. My personal opinion is the problem is not on the supply side. The problem is on the demand <laughs> side. And there, there's one, and I, there, I have one, I'm going to be on a soapbox about this until they change it. I think the process is flawed for everybody. And that's why we have a lot of bad decisions made and we have a lot of one-year, two-year hires and it really hurts minority candidates. And, I, and I'll tell you why. We are interviewing these coaches during the playoffs. And I think that's terribly wrong. It's terribly unfair. Uh, you, you, you cannot tell me that I can prepare to play the Kansas City Chiefs, and I'm trying to stop them as a defensive coordinator, and then I can take a timeout on Friday afternoon at 4 o'clock and interview with you, Dan, and you're asking me questions about your organization and your team, and you want me to be specific about how I'm going to make your team better, and then after that interview, go back to my thoughts on the Chiefs. And hmm. no one can be as prepared in that situation as the person who's not in the playoffs. I was in the playoffs in Minnesota three years, interviewed a couple of times, didn't get the jobs. The year, one year we didn't make it. I had three interviews with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I was able to be very specific about what I wanted to do. I ended up getting that job. I don't think it was a coincidence. Um, when people say so-and-so came in and blew me away in the interview, well, I could blow you away too if I had a week to look at your roster and look at your – past drafts and look at uh, how I would do it and set things up and make a PowerPoint presentation. And now you're Eric Bien and these African-American coaches who are, who's getting the interviews. You tell me, Eric Bienemy, Leslie Frazier, Byron Leftwich, Todd Bowles. Th these aren't coaches who aren't in the playoffs because if you're African-American and you're not in the playoffs, you're probably not getting an interview. Have you talked to the commissioner? So, have you conveyed this to the commissioner? I, I've, I've said this for five years. Mm -hmm. I think this is wrong. I think uh, interviewing coaches in the middle of the playoffs, it's detrimental to them and it's detrimental to the team because you don't get a good impression of, of, of someone that can't be prepared, as prepared as someone who has had a week and a half to do nothing but prepare for your interview. Yeah, I can't, you know, everybody keeps saying Eric Bianami deserves a job. You know, I'm all I'm all for that. It feels like we're missing something here, Tony. Why does Eric Bieniemy not have a head coaching job? I know he's reportedly going to interview with the Saints. I thought he was going to get the Vikings job. So what's this year three of Eric Bieniemy doesn't have a head coaching job? Why is that? Um, I, I don't know why, but all I can do is go back to my situation, and I heard a lot of the same things in the '90s. Well, Tony Dungy's very smart. He's a good coach. He's been in some good systems. He's worked for Chuck Knoll. He's worked for Marty Schottenheimer. He's worked for Denny Green. But he, his personality, he doesn't come across well in the interviews. He's not a, a overly aggressive guy. He's not this. He's not that. He doesn't interview well. No. That's what I heard about myself 30 years ago or, or 25 years ago. And um, I, I don't know. You know, it, it's that I wasn't exactly what people were looking for. I'll give you a perfect example. I interviewed with an organization, thought it was going really well. The last question the guy asked me, he said, I understand you don't use profanity. You don't raise your voice much. How are you going to motivate my guys? And I said, I'll do it the way I always have and the way my dad did it with me. 
I'm going to show them that I care about them, that I know what I'm doing, that I love them, and I think I'll get that mutual respect, and they'll be motivated. That's what I've done with my defenses over the years. Guy looked across at me, Dan, said, that won't work in the NFL. That's not what I'm looking for. Well, and then the word came out that I didn't interview well. The next year, I go to Tampa. They asked me kind of the similar question. I answered the same way Mr. Glazer said, that's how I talk to my boys. That that's who I want as my head coach. So I think that's what Eric Bieniemy needs. Somebody that just says you are the, the kind of guy I'm looking for. Did you send a picture of your Super Bowl ring to that guy who said that your style won't work in the NFL? We actually played against them quite often uh, in, in in the upcoming years, and he actually told me at an owners meeting, I I was wrong. Oh. <laughs> what was his name again, Tony? I can't go into that. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. Yeah. Do you do you ever run into Tom Brady in Tampa since you live there? Like at the supermarket? Seen, uh, not at the supermarket or any of those places. I've seen Tom a couple times, and uh, Clyde Christensen, who was uh, on my staff, is the quarterback coach there. So he he puts us in touch with each other uh, periodically. And Tom is he's been amazing down here. He's he's turned the turn the city around and, and the Bucks fans around. They really have. Safe travels to Los Angeles. Always great. My best to uh, the family. Always great to talk to you. Thank you, brother. I miss you. You know that. Thank you, Tony. Miss you too. And some good stories there. Uh, let's take a break. If you're watching on Peacock, we have the Traegers fired up, ready to go. We got the uh, – Three different kinds of burgers there. The Barbecue Minnesota Juicy Lucy. I'm watching Tyler out there. He's plating. This is what we call it, plating it. We have those. We have the grilled peanut butter burger and the grilled brisket burger. I don't know if I'm ready to go peanut butter, but the Barbecue Minnesota Juicy Lucy. Yeah, Paul. See, you look at it this way. You have a regular burger for your meal and then have the peanut butter burger almost like dessert. Mmm. Mmm. Okay. Dessert. We'll take a break. Last call for phone calls. What we learn, what's in store next week in Los Angeles. Back after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, this is Jason McIntyre. Join me every weekday morning on my podcast, Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. This isn't your typical sports pod pushing the same tired narratives down your throat every day. Straight Fire gives you honest opinions on all the biggest sports headlines, accurate stats to help you win big at the sports book, and all the best guests. Do yourself a favor and listen to Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to send this out to the great folks at KLAC, our home in Los Angeles. They took a chance on us 14 years ago, and we're grateful. Everything they've done. Super Week on the Dan Patrick Show, brought to you by Panini America, the official trading cards of the Dan Patrick Show. Final results of the poll question. Last call for phone calls. Will Farrell in studio Monday. Reggie Miller in studio Monday. We've got a great guest list the entire week in Los Angeles. So we hope that you'll join us. Also want to thank the nearly 220,000 entries to win the Sprinter van. The previous year, 63,000 entries. This year, 220,000 entries. So thank you. We'll have the drawing next week in Los Angeles. 
And Seton and the French Kid hopefully will uh, get it detailed for you. Or maybe if you just want it with all the uh, mud on there and the, the ice and snow and salt and everything that comes with it, uh, we can do that as well. Uh, let's see. This day in sports history, Paulie. Got a few. Uh, 1969, John Madden was named head coach of the NFL's Oakland Raiders. Um, 1932, the first Winter Olympics in the United States, Lake Placid, New York. The games were opened by New York Governor Franklin Delano Roosevelt. That's pretty cool. Hmm. Um, Jimmy Buffett was kicked out of his seat in a courtside uh, seat in a game for the use of profanity. I remember, I remember that. Heat versus Knicks. Didn't we have Jimmy Buffett on after that? We did. We had booked uh, Warren Buffett, the billionaire. Yes. And jokingly said to his PR person, are he and Jimmy Buffett friends? And it was like, ha ha, that they have the same last name. And the woman told us they're absolutely good friends, and Jimmy Buffett comes up here once a year to play for us. But aren't they related? No. No relation, just the name. Okay. But we had them both on simultaneously. Well, I remember Warren Buffett said, you know, I can, you know, that high-pitched voice, I can call Jimmy and see if he wants to come on their show. That's a very good impression. Thank you, Todd. Nice. Yeah. And so Warren Buffett calls Jimmy Buffett, to come on our show. That That's seems it. like the kind of guy you call back quick. <laughs> Warren Buffett. Yeah. Yeah. If you're Jimmy and you're like, oh, I got to take this. It's Warren Buffett. It was on this date, 1991. Baseball's Hall of Fame Board of Directors votes 12 to nothing to bar Pete Rose. Also on this day, 2018, the Eagles defeated the Patriots in uh, in the Super Bowl, 41-33. Yes, Paul? I have a quick Seton O'Connor update. They're back on the road. Oh. They're somewhere in southern New Mexico. Okay. And uh, ETA of uh, five hours to Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. Not bad. All right. And then tomorrow they're going to Vegas? Or are they going to Vegas tonight? I hate to be cliche, but I think they're taking it one day at a time. Oh, okay. After yesterday's mess. <laughs> oh, man, I felt bad. You know, they were trying to go to El Paso, and the, like their bridge was frozen over. There was something that was going on. It's like, we can't, the, the, the roads are closed. Ice storms, mess. Yes, Todd? Not that they need the extra pressure. I know you said Sunday. Is there a deadline that you're hoping they'll get there by late Sunday night? No, as no, long no. as Seton's in the chair by 4 a.m. Pacific Monday, then you're fine? Um, I, I think Sunday at noon. Sunday noon? Yeah. Because we need to have a rehearsal. We need to go to the set, make sure everything works since last time we are out there. We got to sort of rehearse. Is that new? Well, we have to sit so you put your headphones on, oh. you're talking to your microphone. Printers no. and yeah, internet yeah. and all that. Yeah, stuff. you know, bathroom, bathroom. You know, all those things. But yeah, it, we don't rehearse anything. Obviously, we don't rehearse anything on this show. Uh, Marv, thank you for uh, everything you've done. Been great to have you in the front row and taken over for Seton. And uh, thanks, for, thanks for what you do. And you'll be there uh, next week as well. Yeah, I'm hanging out. Hey, I really appreciate it, guys, and I mean that. I'm dead serious. Thank you. Wow. He's such a good guy. Did that sound sincere? I think it did. It, it did? Okay. He's a soft-spoken guy. He's not a yeller and screamer. He's like Tony Dungy. He's not, you know, not going to wow you with like yelling and getting in your face with praise or anything. Yes, Paul. I kind of wish he said, I should be here. <laughs> Get right in our face. <laughs> He's a good guy. Well, there is the McLovin seat that's empty. Yeah. I won't say no. Yeah. It might be permanently <laughs> empty. Yeah. We might just leave that empty. Yeah. Not as a tribute to McLovin. Just let's just leave it. At, you know, nobody wants to sit back there with Todd. Thanks. Uh, Jeff in Detroit. Hi, Jeff. What do you have for us today? 
What up, though? I won't say no. I know Mario's head about exploded in the back, man. <laughs> Happy Meat Friday to you guys, man. Two times from a backroom bros, man. And, hey, I'm sure Chat Row was just wondering, does Marvin eat with you guys? Yes. For the 1215 yeah, yeah. Marvin, you know? Marvin's part of the 1215 podcast, but Marvin gets to eat before the 1215, guys. You're, you're sitting in first class. You know, you're front row. Absolutely. You you get to go out and get your burger. I won't say no. No, no. You Never. were the right. You're in the. You're here. You're in the room. Those guys in the back. Yeah. Wait, guys. Those guys. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Just to take himself over. Is this going to change your relationship with the guys in the back? You know how Mario is. Like Mario is right outside the door by Fritzy, waiting to come in and you know sit in one of those chairs. I'm going to do this just because Mario. <laughs> just because everybody else, they're cool. Yeah. Mario, I mean, he will go out on Front Street. I should be out there. <laughs> nah, Mario. Yeah. Oh, this has to hurt Mario. Because he hosts the uh, 1215 podcast. I'm sure this will come up on the 1215 podcast. Um, let's see. So we're leaving Saturday to go to Los Angeles. Yeah. What do you got? Do you have any plans? Any golf? I don't know. I haven't heard from anybody inviting me to play golf. Are you putting it out there? I already have. Oh. But you know, I'm waiting to hear from Adam Sandler if he's going to join us. Yes, Todd. I called the hotel to make sure they had a reservation because I've had times in the past where you show up and go, I don't see, I don't know who you are. And then I asked for a king bed, made sure there was extra towels. Oh, no. Uh, I asked if there was like a handheld thing for the shower because I like having control of where the water's going. <laughs> handheld? Um, I, did, you? I, I surveyed that. I think there's an In-N-Out burger that's like only like a mile walk from uh, from the hotel. You're, so not walk, nice. you're not walking a if mile. If it's a mile or less, I could do that. If it's like you... 1.3 miles, I'm out. <laughs> And early check-in. I think I, I would advise you guys to do that, too, so you're not sitting in the lobby till 4 in the afternoon. And request an early check-in so that uh, you get to the hotel 1231 in the afternoon, and they're like, oh, you come back in three hours for your room. Why aren't you this organized with this I show? I should be. I but I thought of all those things. Last night I called like 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, I'm going to just make this person crazy at the What front did desk. you learn today, Todd? I was going to give you the poll results. No, nah, I don't care. You don't care about the poll results. No. Okay, now i got to find out what I learned. Marvin, what did you learn today? Coach Dungy said, no interviews during the playoffs. Uh, Todd, what'd you learn? Peter King was very surprised Tom Brady decided to retire. Isn't convinced Jim Harbaugh would not be interested in a future NFL head coaching job. Paulie, what'd you learn? Fritzy, extra towels for what? Uh, live the van life. I want to say thank you to Mercedes-Benz, the Sprinter van. As Seaton said, it's lived up to expectations and then some. Have a safe weekend, everybody. Next time we talk to you, we will be in Los Angeles. Got a great guest list. Hope you'll join us there. Talk to you then.